0: One of the most historic electoral challenges this year is in Georgia, where Democrat Stacey Abrams is campaigning to become the state's first black governor and first female governor. The polls have her tied with her opponent. Uh, He's a white guy, a far right wing figure endorsed by Trump. Joan Walsh just got back from Georgia. She's the nation's national affairs correspondent and a CNN political analyst. She's also author of the book, What's the Matter with White People? Finding Our Way in the Next America. We reached her today in our nation's capital. Joan, welcome back.
1: Thanks, John.
0: Tell us about who Stacey Abrams is. Her biography is pretty impressive.
1: She is truly amazing. Uh, She grew up uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, genteel poor, she likes to put it. Uh, They watched PBS and they had books in the house. She was her high school valedictorian. She went to Spelman uh, University of Texas, uh, Yale Law School, and is also a romance novelist, an award-winning romance novelist, I might add. She makes... all of us feel like slackers. But but most importantly, she has been an advocate for voter empowerment and mobilization for a long time. She was elected to the state assembly back in 2006 in a period when things began to really get horrible for Georgia Democrats. Republicans took over, a lot of white Democrats became Republican, Um, and she has, the interesting thing that people don't know about her as they look at this race, is that since she joined the assembly, she actually became assembly, the minority leader because they never had a majority. She was the speaker. She has worked to build back the Georgia Democratic Party. So not only has she worked to register new voters and mobilize a new voting bloc, uh, mainly younger African-American voters, rural voters, rural black voters who are so often left behind. As a party leader, she also helped elect folks in the Assembly and the State Senate, folks at the local level. She's been really instrumental in helping build back the Georgia Democratic Party.
0: You've seen her in action at rallies, big and small. What are, what are those events like?
1: One really uh, remarkable to me thing about her is that she really doesn't vary her message a whole lot from group to group. She tells every audience one striking fact that Georgia is losing $8 million a day by not expanding Medicaid, uh, and, and that wows business crowds as, as well as you know, low-income rural black women in a church uh, where, that I visited with her. She's, she's a very electrifying speaker, but she's also uh, very warm in person. She's very, very down home.
0: One of my favorite things in your report for The Nation is you not only describe rallies for Stacey Abrams, you report having lunch in Savannah at a place called the Old Pink House with a older white suburban guy. What did he tell you about the Republicans?
1: Well, he he told me more about Brian Kemp. I mean, Brian Kemp, first of all, is now Georgia's Secretary of State, and he has presided over Years of voter disenfranchisement, uh, and we could we could talk more about that. He's also turned himself into a right wing caricature. During the primary, the Republican primary, there was an ad where he held a shotgun to the head of a young man he said was interested in dating his daughter. He had another ad where he sat in his pickup truck and said he has a big pickup truck so he can go around and capture illegals and take them back to where they belong. He really played the the race and immigration and fear card. And this uh, older white Savannah retiree who voted for Trump will will not vote for Brian Camp. Calls literally calls him an idiot, and he is sad about his his vote for Trump and disgusted by Trump, and he feels like his party has become Trumpified, and and so he's voting for Stacey Abrams to give his party a kick. Uh, and I don't know how many men like him are out there. Uh, that's the, that's not her core demographic, but she's counting on, on getting some of them because Kemp really is very extreme for Georgia. He's running, for example, he wants to pass, uh, he wants Georgia to pass a Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And and the legislature did pass one, and the current Republican governor, very conservative, uh, Nathan Deal, he vetoed it because Georgia is very proud of its business climate, of, of the businesses it, it, it currently hosts, like Delta and Coca-Cola. Uh, it's, it's in the running for uh, this big Amazon building uh, complex that so many cities are fighting for. It's uh, second only to California in uh, attracting film business. It's, you know, a lot of, of businessmen, like the man I spoke to uh, and others, are very concerned that Kemp is, is too is too conservative, uh, too far right for, for Georgia business, that he will be bad for Georgia business. And so that creates an opening for Stacey Abrams as well.
0: And this gentleman you spoke to at the old pink house in Savannah, what did he tell you about Stacey Abrams?
1: Well, he kind of surprised me in that the first thing he said when we sat down is, well, she's going to have a tough time getting elected being black. I appreciated his candor. Not everybody speaks with candor about race. Uh, but I appreciated the second thing he said even more. He said he was going to vote for her. And it was not as much a pro-Abrams vote, to be honest, as it was an anti-Brian Kemp vote.
0: You are right in The Nation that Georgia Democrats have a 200,000-vote problem. That doesn't sound good.
1: It's not
0: good. Uh,
1: It's roughly the number uh, that Michelle Nunn, who was running for Senate in 2014, lost by. It's roughly the number that Jason Carter, running for governor in 2014, lost by. It's the number that Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump by. But the reason that Stacey Abrams says it with a, a somewhat optimistic cast is that she's banked on registering but also mobilizing a lot of voters who stay home. Roughly a million uh, eligible Georgians uh, did tend not to vote, and they really tend to sit out the midterms. So, she's had a strategy for turning out. Uh, they're they're now called there's a term for them low propensity voters, uh, folks who who skip the midterms though they might vote in presidential elections. Folks who maybe voted for Barack Obama one or two times. And then also looking at independence and what they call white persuadables. This universe of persuadables though, John is, is fairly small. I mean, the polls that I've seen are showing, you know, somewhere between as as, as few as 3%, as much as 10% of voters are undecided, but she, she is hoping for, for some portion of the white vote. And, you know, polling is showing she needs, between 22 and, and 28% of the white vote. And she seems to be in polling, getting something closer to the 28% side, which I know is pathetic, but I think Hillary Clinton got 23%. So if Abrams can bump that up into the high 20s or even crack 30, she can be the next governor.
0: We need to talk about voter suppression in Georgia. There was an alarming report the uh, from the Associated Press, the AP, a couple of days ago, tell us about that.
1: They did a, a expose that found that again, Brian Kemp, Secretary of State, is in charge of the elections, and his office has been sitting on fifty three thousand new voter registration applications. Uh, and the reason is they in Georgia they use a system called exact match, and that means If there's anything out of, out of whack about your, uh, your form, if you, maybe you're in, uh, maybe your driver's license has a hyphen in your last name, but you don't use a hyphen, uh, on your voter registration. Uh, if, if there's an address difference, you've got street, but they think it's road, they tend to throw those those applications out. It turns out that 70% of these 53,000 applications are from African American voters. Uh, And Brian Kemp actually has the audacity to blame, essentially blame Stacey Abrams, because a group that she started in 2013, the New Georgia Project, apparently uh, filled out or helped fill out a lot of these forms. So he's claiming that they submitted sloppy paperwork and he's doing, he's only doing the right thing. Now, courts have ruled that exact match is discriminatory uh, and and a voter suppression technique, but the Georgia legislature came around and codified it. And so, you know, that might not stand, but so far he's saying he's in the right using uh, exact match because uh, the, the legislature stands behind him. The, there's There are law, lawsuits galore. And in the meantime, if anybody in Georgia is listening and has any concern, you, there are websites you can use. You go to StaceyAbrams.com. You can find a way to check your registration. And if you fall into this category... Of your registration is pending, you can vote provisionally, and I, I think a lot of Democratic groups and activist groups are trying to help these people make sure they know they can vote, make sure they vote provisionally if if they can't vote normally, uh, and then make sure that those provisional ballots are counted.
0: In Georgia, as in many other Republican states, it comes down to a battle between vote suppression and. Turnout. The Republicans put their energy into vote suppression. The Democrats put their energy into voter turnout. What does Stacey Abrams' turnout operation look like?
1: Well, Georgia has never seen anything like it. They've got 15 field offices and 150 uh, full time staffers, thousands of volunteers, and they really have boots on the ground. In, in the past, uh, Democrats tended to spend more on advertising. She's got a decent ad budget, but she's really staked this on field. The other thing she has going for her, uh, is something that you and I have talked about the potential for reverse coattails. We saw a little bit of that in Virginia last year when there were so many first time candidates on the ballot. Most of them women. And so many won, and they 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 helped boy the statewide candidates because they turned out voters even in red counties, and and I think Stacey Abrams has that going for her too. There's an unprecedented number of women on the ballot. There's an unprecedented number of Democrats. Period. I I went into red counties where people said there used to be no Democrats competing. They just stopped. They stopped running for county supervisor, for community college board, for state assembly or senate, and and they've got full ballots uh, in some of these counties, full Democratic slates in some of these counties. So you know you can't win if you don't play. And even if some of these first-time candidates lose, they are they have operations on the ground. They have people going out and identifying Democrats and and bringing them along to vote for the top of the ticket as well as that. So there's a lot going on. It's going to be tough. I, You know, I really don't want to make any predictions. All the polls show it deadlocked within the margin of error. And it, it really is going to come down to turnout. You know, some of the things that I used to put, get optimistic about. I I am frightened based on what happened in 2016. I don't want to overcorrect for that, but, but I think it, it's going to take a lot for me to be super optimistic about this race, but she absolutely can win and she has a plan to win.
0: Joan Walsh, she reported from Georgia for The Nation. You can read her new piece, The Future of Georgia at The Nation.